episode 188 of... Brutal Battle. Yes, um, someone I quite enjoy having on the show, bringing him back, Mr. Dan Kim. Hello, audience. Nice yep. to see you again. He's back, and uh, much like when we have any guest at this point, I'm going to be trying to do, every single time, a, a warm-up beer usually uh, some sort of sour, because as we've talked about <laughs> on the podcast, Rebecca's not huge on the sours, so I have plenty I need people to share with. <laughs> so I'm going to open one up. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, no, it is. It definitely is. Well, and, it's, and that's what, then why it's good that, you know, people are my friends, because they get these benefits then, which is nice. God damn, this is Cork and Cage. So you, start... just, you just called me friend a friend with benefits. That's, a, that's what it, you just called In me. a roundabout way, I did. <laughs> Correct. All right, so it's Cork and Cage Bottle. Um, this is a, a beer by Springhouse Brewing. So people aren't familiar with them. They're a Pennsylvania brewery. They're not, like, super huge, but they're technically out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I'm not familiar with them. They're good. Um, well, the thing is, we're in Maryland. We're really close to Pennsylvania, but they don't distribute down into Maryland. They distribute a decent amount in Pennsylvania, but they're relatively small. And they have a really cool uh, brew pub. Mm-hmm. It's like a really nice space. It's like in some sort of old like industrial type building or something. So there's are there portions of Pennsylvania that they don't that they're they're not even in, in all of Pennsylvania then? I'm I would be surprised if they're in the entirety of Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania is actually pretty pretty big, big right? Right. So right, it's got two um, metropolitan areas that are well. I mean, well. It's got Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, Pittsburgh and Philly that are pretty far apart. And yeah, I'm trying to get this cork, just trying to wiggle it. Sometimes these corks are just. I want it. Oh, there it is. Oh shit! And like happens t- from time to time, it gushed. God damn! <laughs> Why does this happen as much as it does? I kind of had a feeling this one might do that. So at least we can do a little cleanup. Pretty easily. We'll pause for a second and then take care of this. So we're back to recording. Uh, after a, a bit of a break to clean up the mess, I don't know if people could hear it as the uh, the beer was just like flowing out and just dropping onto this yeah, it's table. Technic- it's technically the next day right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it didn't quite take that long. It did take a while to get that cleaned up. But, um, so what this beer is by Springhouse Brewing is the... Skull Chapter, which Skull Chapter is like their beer society that you have to pay into. Oh, so right. we're not far from where they are, so we pay into it so we can, you know, get our pickup. But actually, Nathan Klasnick, shout out to him, he picks up the beers for us because he's involved with it too. Skull so. Chapter is a strange name. Yeah, it stands for something and I can't... Oh, it's an acronym. Yeah, I can't recall. <laughs> I can't recall what it what it means, but, you know. I was like, is this like an Illuminati thing or what? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like all barrel-aged stuff, and it, I think it's like between 8 and 10 beers in the, in the society each year. So this is one of them that we're trying. Obviously, people can probably figure out this is a sour since it was still going in the bottle uh, and went everywhere. So it, this is one called Freaks in Love, and it's a kiwi sour ale aged in white French oak barrels. White French oak barrels. Yes, and 6.9% alcohol by volume. And I will say, I don't think I've ever had a beer with kiwi. Ever. Hmm. Uh, white French, like white wine? Um, no, I just think like the wood. The wood is white. White French oak, yeah. Got it. Yeah. 
So, um, all right, let's take a look at it as best as you can see. I mean, it looks hazy. Hazy, like a orangey straw color. Like some small chunks in there. Oh yeah, definitely. It is. It is chunks. has such big aroma. Like it, I can smell it from half a foot away, and it's, it smells great. So now that it exploded everywhere, there's like no head. <laughs> there's no head <laughs> on the beer now when it's in the glass. Oh man, I, I know it's great. It's <sighs> I smell like peaches. It's floral. Yeah. Why does it? It definitely smells like pizza. peaches and, yeah, some sort of flower. Totally. But it's a weird thing about fruited beers. A lot of times, things that things that don't have peach smell like peach. Yeah. And things that are actually peached... Don't smell like don't, it. It doesn't taste like peach. It's a yeah. weird thing. Yeah. Where it's... Where you just, I don't know why. It is odd. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's been a long time since I've had kiwi, but... When I smell this, I usually think of kiwi as being a lot softer in the smell, like more of a sweet type smell, right. as opposed to the sour. Right. Well, it's that's because the sourness is in its. I think is it in the seeds and the skin? Is that where the sourness of kiwi uh, is? Mainly the skin, I think. So I guess it depends how they. I I would guess they probably did not peel all the kiwi because that's a lot of work. They probably just sliced it up and left it with the skins. Cuz honestly, if it's a sour beer anyway, right. and you're going to get some of that like tartness from the the peel, it would be fine. I mean, I've had some really tart um kiwis before, so uh so I can imagine you uh you eat the sugars away on on a kiwi, you're left with a lot of sourness. Yeah. So I'm I'm very interested to see how puckering this beer is. But well, it, it does it doesn't smell like it's going to be really crazy sour to me honestly yeah, it, it because does, there is a decent yeah. amount of sweet. and it smells like it, it does smell like it has like a sugariness in it too yeah it smells like beautiful yeah like, it smells really amazing i'm ready to try it oh that is so light and refreshing like, soft yeah it's just it feels like it rises in my mouth while i'm while i'm drinking it yeah, I feel like actually the carbonation kicks up. Yeah, it's once it hits my tongue. And it's real pillowy. Uh-huh. It's great. I can taste what I'm assuming is the kiwi. It's been like I said, it's been a long time since I've experienced kiwi, but um it is still coming off like peach and mm-hmm. that that like flowery floral note. Um it's really good though. It's like super light. There is like a lemony tartness, but it's mm-hmm. like medium low, I'd and- say. And we thought that the carbonation would be all gone, but there's there's still tons of carbonation in there. It's, it's and it's doing good things. That's really nice. It is. It tastes pretty delicate. That's a really nice beer. I like that so much. Agreed. Um, I was I was just thinking as I was saying that it makes me really glad that we signed up again for their new uh, new season of Skull Chapter. Mm-hmm. But then I also started thinking, well, I guess we'll have to see just because I know some months ago they lost their head brewer. Um, so, oh, really? yeah, so they're going to have someone different. Although, you know, they, they have other brewers other than the head brewer, so. I wonder what he moved on to. Cause yeah, it, I don't know. Because, I, I, is that something that anyone tracks? Like, where brewer, like, Maybe. when, when a brewer moves, uh, from one brewer to another, like, that, that you can see, maybe you can follow, uh, their style with them as mm-hmm. they travel? I wonder if that happens. I... Yeah, I don't know. I, I probably, I would think no one's probably actually tracking that, but it would be interesting. It'd be super interesting. Especially if they're going from one small brewery to another small brewery, then mm-hmm. if, if they're not too big and established, 
one one head brewer can have a massive influence on on what they're doing. I agree. No, I totally agree with that. Well, one of the things there was um the brewer for head brewer for Manor Hill mm-hmm. Brewing, who I was like a huge fan of. Um, he had ended up leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, he was let go from the company, and from what I understand, it was a pretty like surprising move. So. No one, people I've talked to, no one really knows, like, what happened there, but he was just, like, let go one day. So they took on a brewer who was, prior to that, with uh, Duclaw Brewing as an assistant brewer, and then was an assistant brewer at Manor Hill for about seven months or something like that. Okay. And so they just gave him the head brewer job. Right. Um, but he, was, he wasn't a total stranger, though. He no, was, no, no. It was an internal promotion. Well, plus the thing is, the guy's been working in beer for a while, um, and he, his name's Kurt, and he was, like I said, he was with Duclaw prior to that, and before Duclaw, he was with Heavy Seas. Okay. So, he's been brewing with good breweries. Right. So. And all Maryland Tide, so. Yeah. So, when I, when I had heard that, um, Ben, actually Ben was the, the brewer, Ben Little was the brewer for, um. Manor Hill. Yeah, for Manor Hill. I was, I was just like, oh man, I'm so bummed, because, a lot of people don't think about this, but there, there's, um, for people who are more like beer nerd, like myself, we actually associate breweries and the beers with their head brewers if we know who they are. Yeah, it makes sense. And so when that person leaves, there's kind of this immediate feeling of like uncertainty and it's like, uh, it, it it's probably not going to be exactly the same. But maybe some of the beers will be because obviously they still have the recipe because the the brewery owns that. Yeah, I mean because it's all about choices. It's just you know what hops you gravitate for, what what you know how you're roasting your malt. I mean that's that's a huge variable to how you're roasting your malt. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you know just every single choice is 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 something that is personal to each brewer. I mean. Yeah. It's a recipe, yes, but if you're inventing your own recipes, then it does reflect you. Yeah. Well, and I had, you know, you, you don't know what tra- trajectory that brewery was going to follow. You know, like right. under the the head brewer who was let go or left, um, like in the case of Manor Hill. Like, I saw things really moving under Ben Little at yeah. Manor Hill. And I was just like, man, this, this place is going somewhere. They... For me, they were moving on their quality like leaps and bounds. Like they were moving, and then when he left, I was like, "Oh, well, now we're gonna have to see what happens. Like, will it start to kind of stagnate? Mm-hmm. Will it still improve or be just as good, just in a different way? Because obviously, the new guy Kurt, which I think his last name is Kroll, I think it's Kurt Kroll, um, you know, because he has his own ideas, like you were saying, like everyone's yeah. got their own style, what they gravitate to." So, you know, maybe he's he's going to do just as well or or better, but in a different way. Well, I guess two questions. Have you noticed a difference in Manor Hill? And do you know where Ben Little landed? So the first question, I have not tried enough Manor Hill since to assess that, which now that you brought it up, I should that'll make me think about it more and maybe I'll actually do that now. But the other question, the other answer is... Ben is not brewing. Well, I'm sure he's like home brewing or something or, you know, collaborating with people on the side, but he's working for a, like a brew pub in, um, oh no, I don't think it's a brew pub. I just think it's like a, a restaurant with like really honestly kick ass from what I've seen beer lists. 
uh, in Frederick, Maryland called, I think it's called White Rabbit. So he's, just, White he's still associated in the business, but not on the brewing side. Right. He's in charge of their bottle and draft list, basically, bringing the beers in. Right. And I've seen him post a lot of things on Facebook about, you know, what he's bringing in. And he's bringing in, like, really kick-ass beers. And he's getting a hold of some, like, hard-to-get-a-hold-of stuff and putting them on tap. So, Well, I'm, I mean, I hope he likes it. I mean... You know, I mean, I have I have no association with the guy, but just yeah. you know, I'm rooting for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, now knowing that he's at that restaurant makes me want to go to that restaurant. What's the name of the restaurant again? White Rabbit, I okay. believe. Okay. It's in Frederick. Uh, it just opened like probably six months or so ago. It so wouldn't it's be pretty new. It wouldn't be hugely shocking if six months a year from now they came out with their own stuff. Like yeah, and that was okay. So that's what I was thinking slash hoping. So I'm like, he can't, with the the talents that he has, he can't possibly stop. You know, like, I'm just like, don't stop this. Don't, you got to do something. I got to be able to get a hold of your beer somehow. Because one, the main thing that I really liked he was doing at Manor Hill was he was going for the lesser um, known styles. Right. Like, we had talked about on the podcast before, the Manor Hill Grisette. Prior to that, who was really doing a Grisette all that much? Yeah, I feel like, like Grisette's... No yeah, it was the thing where I'd never heard of it, and then all of a sudden, like, four popped up, and mm-hmm. now now you see them, not all the time, but it's one of the styles you see. Yeah. Uh, and then there's, then he started doing it, like, he put out Kolsch, um, and was just, like, going with a bunch of, like, lighter styles. He did a bunch of IPAs, but that's because... You, know, you have you, to. You have to. Like, there's, <laughs> you don't have a choice. He did, like, a passion fruit IPA, and then he started doing, like, some barrel stuff. Really interesting stuff, like the one, um, damn, that was the one barrel-aged beer that was based on an old-fashioned, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be, like, his take on, like, an, uh, on an old-fashioned cocktail, which was a really good one, uh, and then he took that grisette and white wine barrel-aged it with, uh, raspberries? I think it was raspberries the first time around. Okay. Um, and that was outstanding, and... White wine barrel aged a friggin' IPA with blueberries, and that was quite good. So, you know, th- for me, there was just like a ton of excitement. So, yeah. And then, you know, it's a bit of a letdown when like someone you know and you feel like you trust steps away. But now that you, you know, kind of put it back on my mind, I, I'm gonna yeah. make, I'm gonna do a comparison. I'm going to go out and I'm going to try more of what's coming out now with right. Manor Hill. Well, you'll have to use your tr- your taste memory for that because, you know. Yeah, I can do that. I mean, obviously it's not going to be 100% because, right. you know, you remember things in different ways based off, you know, how you were feeling at the time, you know, both emotionally and physically, um, you know, and just how your attitude towards something changes things in your mind over time. Well, Negative if, or positive. Yeah, I mean, if your if your if your memory of visuals is something that changes over time, as something as effervescent as flavor that can that can change even more. Yeah. Um, to keep with this topic just for a little bit longer, in general, like, have you ever been in a situation where you kind of feel that way with breweries, where you don't ne- like you associate it with whoever the head brewer is versus associating it just with these are the beers and it's that establishment and I like that's what I trust is the establishment not the brewer necessarily. Well, I, I admit I'm not I don't 
seek out the names of these bre- of of these head brewers. Right. So that, but I do like, sometimes you just end up meeting them. Like they're around, right? If you go to breweries, right, right. I will say that there's definitely a you can taste certain you can taste a beer sometimes and just and have a feeling. I think this is from this brewery. Like there's just certain taste profiles from breweries that you just kind of learn to recognize. Um, I've heard people say that about Flying Dog. I think that about Stone. Stone has a definite flavor profile. Yeah. Lagunitas has a Trogues. Trogues is very much that right, way. Right, where you can just use like this is a this is a Trogues beer. This is a Lagunitas beer. You can yeah. just you can just tell. I mean, and sometimes you're wrong, but a lot of times you're not. A lot of times you just got it. You know. Yeah, I, I know that with um, Stone, they have a certain bitter profile that I can always pick out and know it's a Stone beer. You know, it's, it's so it's just one of those things where, yeah, if their head brewer leaves and that they take that taste with them, then that's something that you can notice. Yeah. Well, and then <clears throat> this kind of gets to another thing, which is you know I know a lot of people view. Um, you know, like places like Dogfish Head or even Stone, like when they think of that, they mainly think of their, you know, who was the head brewer and mm-hmm. I think technically still is, but who owns the company, which would be in the case of Stone, Greg Cook, and in the case of Dogfish Head, Sam Calagione, and people associate them with the beers, but they're not making the beers anymore. Right. I mean, here and there, I'm sure they are, but right. they're handling the more high level stuff. Right. But these these guys are kind of like the gatekeepers for QA, though. And they're kind of directing and saying, you know, this is what I want. It's right. got to taste like this. So they still ha- they're not hands-on as much, but they still have the control. Right. In order, to, in order to grow to past a certain level, those guys can't be brewers anymore. They have to be, mm-hmm. they have to be primarily businessmen, you know, yeah. where they're making deals, doing, you know, I don't even know how much they have in quality control, but, you know... Th- they're, they're signing checks. I mean, they're making yeah. deals, signing checks, shaking hands, right? You know, swiping pens, <laughs> going to beer events and glad handing with people. And, yeah. So mm-hmm. that that becomes their primary job, you know. And maybe they're still out there because um, of what you say, or like they be kind of become associated with the company, and they're just kind of the the head face of the company, yeah. and you know, they become their company's mascot, basically. Well, and so then there's there's that, but then there's the flip side where there are breweries that are owned by people who don't brew and haven't brewed. And I might be wrong on this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm correct. Uh, a good example would be like Duclaw Brewing. Like Dave Benfield, the owner, really nice guy, by the way. Um, I don't think he's a brewer. I don't think he's ever been a brewer. He's just a fan of beer. Right. Well, you know, and, and it's his company that he wanted to start. So I'm sure after having been with that brewery for, well, I think they're like 20 years old now, actually. Uh-huh. Um, you know, obviously he knows what good beer tastes like. I'm sure he has a very good palate at this point. But I don't think he has the ability to direct the beers the same way that like a Sam Calagione could or like a Greg Cook. But that kind of presents more of a situation on the opposite side where I would think that for that reason, the brewers do matter more for what's going on. And actually, that said, um, Jim Wagner, who was their longtime brewer at Duclaw, doesn't work there anymore. He was they, he parted ways with Duclaw. I think from what it was said, it was a mutual agreement to part ways. And they brought in some a new head brewer and I think maybe maybe a few new assistant brewers 
well, they had lost Kurt to um, Manor Hill anyway, so they at least brought in a few. And um, things are different now. So I, I haven't had any of the new stuff, but I've heard that they have really good IPAs right now, and that is something that historically I always said about Duclaws, that they didn't have any good hoppy beers. Like, okay, I guess I can't say any good hoppy beers. They had decent hoppy beers, but they didn't have any hoppy beers where you taste it and you're like, man, that's really awesome. Yeah, something they not, not something that you were going to go out of your way for. Right, and from what I hear with the new brewer and assistant brewers, that is happening now. So maybe this is that instance of, you know, the brewer makes a big difference. But, you know, since I said that, that sounds kind of like bad for, for Jim Wagner since he left. <laughs> but that would that just wasn't the way he wanted to go, really. Right. And he made some outstanding stuff. And what I'm worried about now with them is my favorite beers for Duclaw were the high alcohol beers. Your Devil's Milk, your Retribution, you know, anything they did high alcohol was really good. And I say it all the time on here. Retribution, their Bourbon Barrel Aged Imperial Stout, is one of the most underrated Bourbon barrel aged imperial styles. Yeah, it could stand up with, uh, it could stand up with a lot of much more well known uh, imperial styles and and do fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I'll, I'll point it out. If if people dig back far enough in the episodes, there was a point that we had a a, sh- a show. It was one of the deck episodes with the tournament. There was a person on. I'm not going to say the name, see, because you have to look. There was a person on who actually. Re- at the time, repped uh, Goose Island, and he thought when he tried the beer blind, Retribution, that is, he thought it was Bourbon County. <laughs> Which is a massive compliment, so just throwing that out there. <laughs> but anyway, so so this is, this is once again, it's like, because when I found out, this is, this is my fears thing again. When yeah. I found out that Jim Wagner wasn't with Duclaw anymore, I was immediately like, oh my god. First of all, I really like Jim. I've known, I've known Jim like, nice guy. As I've known Dave, nice guy, and I was just like, oh my god, what, what happened? I felt like my world was crumbling because, you know, these high-alcohol beers from Duclar are, like, my go-to for high-alcohol beers. Right. Um, so then I was just like, now this is all in question, like, how's it going to be? But now I'm hearing a little bit of reassurance, like, oh, you weren't really, like, feeling the IPAs so much from them before, but now everyone's like, hey, this stuff is really good right now. Well, so, I feel like I, I hear a lot less chatter about Duclar in general. That people just don't talk about them the way they used to. Like, yeah. you know, two, three years ago, just in our local neighborhoods, people were bringing up Duclaw all the time. Yes. Just, in, just in conversation. They were going to the pub all the time. You know, that was their, that was their hangout. And I just, I just don't hear their name as much. I see them in the, on the shelves. And, and I know they closed down uh, their, their, their brew pub. In, yeah, their brew pubs. So it's not a place to visit anymore. Yeah, they sold them off, and they've be- they've become other things. Yeah, Humalagas or whatever. Humagalas. Uh, yeah, I don't That's know. That's a ridiculous um, name. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which by the way, when I read an article about that place, and they the owners literally said that the name means nothing. They just thought it sounded good. Right. Well, which is like probably not something you should tell the public. Right. Honestly, plus, plus the plus are wrong. It yeah. doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. It does not sound good. So. I think two reasons that stick out for me about Duclaw not being talked about all that much anymore, although I think that's going to start to change based off what I've heard. Um, One, they were behind a lot on catching up with beer trends. 
Yeah. Which is something that a lot of other older breweries have experienced as well. You know, another one that really comes to mind, Weyerbacher. You know, like mm-hmm. a few episodes ago, we had their Sexy Mother Pucker, which was literally a sour ale. It literally said on there, sour ale. Which was like, in my opinion, a really lazy sour beer. Like, they were, it, it seemed like they were just like, oh, God, we got to catch up. We got to keep up with these trends. Here, there's a sour beer. Like, literally, they just called it sour ale on there. Like, they didn't say anything else about that. That's literally like, here, are you happy now? We did a sour <laughs> beer. Come on. Like, it was decent. Like, it was okay, but it just seemed real lazy to me. I don't know. But it's that kind of thing. Is like, it's hard for, for older, brewers, brewer, ugh, older breweries to keep up like that because they get used to the way that it was. You know, like, they were the cutting edge. And then we have so many more breweries now that there are new trends that come out, there's new cutting edge, and they have to consistently maintain, you know, doing different styles, doing more innovative stuff, and keeping up. Right. And it's tough. And But there are are old breweries that are still really good at that. Sierra Nevada is still really good at that, you know? It's just... Well, you have to be forward thinking is the big thing. Right. And that, I think, you know, maybe that's part of where having an owner who's a brewer comes in handy. Yeah, but it it also takes a certain personality type and a certain amount of foresight. Mm-hmm. You know, Dogfish Head is another example of that. You know, just of a of a of a, of a old big company that's still doing cutting edge stuff. Yeah. You also need to be plugged in to yeah. the craft beer community Definitely. and know what people are you know going for and what they're drinking and praising and stuff like that. But I will say the other the other thing that I think was another reason for the diminishing uh, talk about Duclaw was. What you cited is them closing down their brew pubs. Because right. especially in our area, there's a brew pub very close. And I think that kept it fresh in people's mind that they were there. And I think for some people, since they had been there for a long time, when that changed to the Huma bullshits, that they just, people just didn't see it anymore and just thought that it went away. Well, us being in Maryland, like, we have no perspective on it. Like, <laughs> Right, you know, no, that's true. You know, go down to Virginia, North Carolina, your your viewpoint on Duclaw might be completely different. Yeah, and and you're sure. like, I never heard of these guys, and now they're everywhere, and they're great. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so maybe from, from, if you live in North Carolina, maybe that's how you feel. Which, by the way, I did see that Duclaw is further expanding their distribution. Oh, yeah, so. oh, yeah they are. Yeah. So, it, I did not plan that topic. That topic just happened, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think we can save it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, so. Thanks. That was that was a good conversation. I mean, I hope everyone else liked it. I enjoyed the hell out of that combo. That's why one of the reasons I like having you on, Dan. Things just organically happen in combo. That said, let's try some beers. Yes, we got two in front of us. We have a uh, one that's the A looks like a cloudy amber ale. Yeah, like a red ale, right? It, yeah, it is like, really, it is, it is very hazy. Yeah, very hazy, orangish, reddish around the edges. Has a little bit of like a white head around, mainly around the edges, a little bit sitting on top. Does it, do you smell anything? It's not, it's not kicking up a lot of odor. Oh, yeah. I it's, smell something very slight, very yeah. slight. It's, it's uh, you know, like... Like sweet malts. Yeah, there's some sweet maltiness. Do I smell a slight tart note in there? There's like a tart fruit note coming through right after the sweet malt. 
I'm also I'm I'm pulling really I'm trying to pull real hard and I'm <laughs> I'm having this crazy thought which I don't even want to say because if I'm wrong I'm going to look really stupid but I I wonder if there's something like cinnamon in the very back. <sighs> no, I I could see some sort of spice. Right. I don't know about cinnamon in particular. Something that right. reminds me of it could some be, random. It could spice. be completely different, and it and it wouldn't be there at all. Like it's just I'm just pulling so hard. It's, no, because now that you said it, I feel like I get it. <laughs> the power of suggestion. But uh, like I said, we're we're pulling really hard, yeah. and this is not putting off a lot of order. Yeah, the all. nose is not super strong. I feel like I get a little bit of like a tart plum in the nose. Under the sweetness. Yeah, I don't know how much of this is psychosomatic, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think we're just going to have to try this. It's There's not much nose. Um, it's it's pleasant. It's 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 um, soft, very drinkable. Uh, it's got a slight fruitiness. Uh, I would say something like maybe, maybe like canned apricots or something like okay. that. Okay, yeah, apricot for sure. I definitely get some apricot in there. And I do feel like there's a little bit of like a tart-ish finish to each sip. It reminds me of a severely watered-down um, Flanders Red. I could see that. There is, yeah, because it is so soft and and it it, it really does have the consistency of, of, of just drinking straight lukewarm water. Yeah, and, I mean, there's a little more body than that, but it's yeah, it's it's kind of. But close. it's it's just like kind of fruity, kind of tart, but yeah. it's, it's it's kind of a bunch of stuff, right? I don't dislike it. No, I mean, I don't love it, but I enjoy it. Like, I enjoy it enough to be like, I'm I'm good with this. This would go great with something like cheese and crackers, mm-hmm. or yeah, cheese for sure. Yeah, cheese and crackers. Oh god. I love cheese in the first place. <laughs> so, like, if you get a nice beer pairing, which right. I do think and this would be. We, I mean, that malty sweetness that we smelled before, it's it, it's providing a good backbone on this because it, it, this needs it. I feel like I get just, like, a slight funkiness on the end, too. Yeah, a little bit. Slight funky, slight tart. There's that apricot-type flavor. <laughs> Is this that Weyerbacher, like, a little sour? <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, and the other thing is, is I keep taking sips of it, which is very easy to do, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like my my taste buds are standing up a little more. Right, there is absolutely That's nothing offensive about this at all. Like it no. is, it's it's just fine. Kind of, kind of a bit tasty. Yeah, it's it's good. It's it's fine. I feel like <laughs> I feel like it builds a little bit. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it if it's aged in white wine barrels. Like the slight bit of like, because I could get a little bit of like a wine grape aspect out of it. And like I was saying with the Flanders Red aspect, Flanders Reds are aged in oak barrels. So that kind of, I feel like there's a little bit of that. I purposely took a, like a a bigger gulp and just Mm -hmm. let it like wash over my entire palate. And that's when you can get um, that kind of slight funk on the end. Yeah. Uh, in a in a bigger way, and it's pleasant too. Yeah, this is a pretty good beer. I like it. Well, let's go to beer B, and this is totally dark. It looks like some sort of imperial stout. Yeah, it looks, maybe. It looks like cold coffee. 
Yeah, or, I can't see through it. Or or prune juice or, <laughs> or something very There's dark. No head. Like no no head. Oh my god. It smells like it's it smells like um like uh, chocolate? Yeah, exactly. It smells like uh, Jesus. It's God, what's up with the bunny, the chocolate syrup with the bunny, what is that guy? Um the the quick bunny? Yeah, it smells yeah, yeah it smells like this it smells a little marshmallowy to me. Yeah, I'm just getting like a... like vanilla. Like there's like vanilla marshmallow in with the chocolate, right? And... But I'm getting milk chocolate and dark chocolate in yeah. here. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of that cocoa powder nest too, like baker's chocolate a little bit. Yeah, I get a slight peanut butter. Oh, that's interesting. Slight I can see that. It smells really good. Yeah, it's like vanilla, peanut butter, very slight peanut butter, chocolate, dark and light. When when it I swirled good. when I swirled it, like it a little when I swirled it up a little bit more, I got um, prunes. Yeah, I, yeah, I could see the prune on the end of that, with like that little flash of sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it smells really good though. It smells yeah. like dessert. It smells like a nice dessert. Let's try it. Oh, that's so much softer than I thought it was very I mean, it's, it's still a big beer, and you can tell that it, the alcohol is ramped up a lot more, but that's it's got an insanely soft mouthfeel for a yeah. beer this size. It's really soft. I don't get any of that peanut butter flavor that I was talking about smelling a little peanut butter. Mm-hmm. I do not get any peanut butter or any peanut to it. I get... It comes off very marshmallowy yeah. to me, which is not a bad mm-hmm. thing. I like marshmallows. Right, and I... And I think part of that has to do with um, just how soft its mouthfeel is. I, and a lot of times with beers of that are dark like this, like big stouts, they have a they have like a chalkiness that I just have come to accept with those beers. Yeah. But this doesn't have that at all. The 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 water is really soft and it just one washes past your palate in a really pleasing way. Uh, it doesn't have that chalkiness or that that coat no. that that syrupy coating that you get a lot of times with beers like like this. No, but this is very pleasant. Yeah, and it's um, I like it a lot actually. It yeah. it it's almost to the point where it's a slight bit too sweet because it is pretty sweet, mm-hmm. but I quite like it. And um, it reminds me of a beer we had some time ago. I don't know if you were on the. You may have been on the show when we had it. The Smutty Nose Rocky Road, which was like a, done with like marshmallow and cocoa nibs, and I think it was a porter. Uh, that's, that, that was a good beer, and it remind this reminds me of that. Maybe this is a double porter instead of a double stout. I don't know, but I feel like you get a lot of like vanilla marshmallow out of this. Right, I can't. I, I mean, I keep on coming back to its mouthfeel, but it's really it's it's a medium bodied beer with a yeah. taste of. A full-bodied beer. I'd say it's even, like, a medium-low body. Like, right. not even, like, straight-up medium. I'd say it's, like, kind of medium-low. Yeah, it really does feel like you're drinking um, alcoholic chocolate milk. It, yeah, <laughs> in a way, yeah. Um, it's, I, I like it. That's good. That's tasty. Can't knock it, man. All right, got to think about some numbers, which means I probably have to go back to A real quick. Ace, solid. I, yeah, I don't know. These are two good beers. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Hmm. This is a toughie. Okay. I think I know where I'm going. All right, go ahead. And want me to just do both? Sure. Um, so, it might surprise you a little bit, but I'm going to give A a four. Okay. It's, um, there's nothing offensive about this beer, and it's not knock your socks off, but you can just easily just sit on your couch, sit on your porch, just enjoy this while watching TV or having snacks or hors d'oeuvres or something like that. Yeah. I could totally drink this while I'm cooking. I love drinking while I'm cooking. So. Who doesn't? Right. So I could totally see this in any of those applications. Just something that you can enjoy and just be in the background of of your life experience, and it'd just be great. I could see this being good with you know watching a game or reading a book, and this is just it's just pleasant. I mean, there's nothing that'll knock you over the head with it, but it's just nice. Yeah. So I'm gonna give it a four. Uh, with do you want to keep on going or do you want yeah. to? Yeah, no, go ahead. With uh, with B. I'm I'm honestly really um, surprised on the combination of how light the mouthfeel is with how big the flavor is, and it is sweet. But if you just accept that, um, it's just it's it's a it's a dessert that's easygoing. It doesn't have any chalkiness or syrupiness to it. It just and again you can, and for that reason you can just kind of drink and go with this. Yeah. Um, this would be great for a nightcap, and that yeah, you like know, we were saying, dessert. So I'm going to give this one a six. All right, you six. Uh, okay, so a um, you shouldn't be that surprised. I'm actually going a four on a as well. And the, I was I was thinking about a three, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, because as I keep sipping it, I do want more. I want to keep going, and for all the reasons you were saying about. You know, it would go well with a lot of food. It's easy, but it's got a decent, nice flavor. There's nothing offensive about it at all. Nothing seems out of kilter. All the flavors that are there blend together well and are kind of on the same level. And when you take your time with it, it does seem like there's a decent amount going on. So I'm going to give that a four as well. That's good. Um, Overall, four for that one, which is good for the podcast. Um, B... Uh, I, as I continue to sip it, the sweetness is starting to build for me. Mm. So I still do enjoy it a bit more than, well, you know, (laughs) I was at one number and I'm going back. Um, no, I'm going to go four on this one as well, actually. Okay. Because I kind of feel like they're on equal footing because I felt like for a bit, B was like one point higher than A for me. And then as I continued to sip, the sweetness started weighing down on me just a little bit. And I was just like, no, you know, I think I want these kind of the same amount. Okay. So they're both fours to me. But um, B wins with an overall five for the episode. But that's close. And these are both good beers. So B winner five. Um, Let's reveal A. A... The loser of the episode, but not really a loser because it's good. Overall, four. Oh, wow. Okay. I've been holding this beer for years. <laughs> All right. And I told Rebecca, whatever. You know, you can pull out whatever. And I'm glad it finally came out because this is one of the beers that's been sitting in the fridge. And I'm just like, when am I going to drink that? When will somebody appreciate this beer? So this is by New Glarus. Nice. Out of um, Wisconsin. New, New Glarus, Wisconsin. And it is one of their um, 
their what is it the what what do they call this series? <laughs> I'm trying to find it. It's like one of their their like fingerprint series or something like that. It's like one of their you know lesser known beers, but it's an Oud Brun. Oh, nice. And so you've been how many? How long has this been in your cellar? <sighs> I gotta see if there's. I don't think there's a date code on this man. So to the best of my recollection, I've probably had this beer about three years. Okay. So Oud Brun typically, also known as a Flanders Brown, is typically a lot more in-your-face sour, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the younger, more aggressive version of a Flanders Red. But with the age that's been on this is probably why it's coming off more like a Flanders Red. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. Yeah, it is very good. I, I'm glad. I, wa- I nice. would wonder how it tastes fresh, how it tasted fresh. Yeah, um, I'll never know. Because <laughs> I don't think we're, you You're know. one of those, Carlin. Who, th- this just... was sent to me by, by a guy that I know who lives in that area, and I, I think this was like a one-and-done beer, too. So, um, Yeah, man. Let me see what they have on there. Our brewmaster, Dan, launched his wild fruit cave this winter, brewing Oud Brun, a Flanders-style ale that is immensely complex, both tart and sweet. Um, yeah, it's so yeah, yeah, it's great. It's one hundred percent naturally fermented in oak. I did point out the barrel, right? Yes. Okay. Maybe we should have been tipped off by the funk that it was that yeah. it was an aged sour. Yeah, yeah. That's good though. Good job. All right, and the winner of the episode B overall of five is it's in a can. Oh shit! Okay, this is a this is a beer that I just got recently from someone. Um, actually, uh, Greg Milburn. Thank you, Greg. This is by RAR or RAR. They go by RAR, but I, I always say RAR cause that's the way it's done. They're out of Cambridge, Maryland, um, Aria Bre- Brewing, and this is their 10 layers. It's a, they say a dessert stout, I would say very aptly named 7.2% alcohol by volume. Oh, okay. This is one of the, uh, this is a special release beer that they do. Um, when Greg gave it to me, he was just like, dude, it tastes like chocolate cake. Right. And he's right. No, he's right. And yes. I'm, I'm really pleased about the alcohol level too, because it's, you know, a typical single stout might be, you know, like five or five and a half or something like that. And yeah. a double stout, you can, you know, 10 or whatever. So the fact that it's a seven is just a nice middle point where, yeah. you know, where you're, you're tasting a lot of big flavors, but not getting the heaviness associated with it. Um, by the way, I'm sorry. Uh, I just picked up my, um, my glass with the, the freaks in love, the Kiwi sour by, by Springhouse and noticed literally there's a bunch of green debris sitting in the bottom. Yeah. If I didn't that's know, I would, yeah, I would say it was like, is that mold? But it's yeah, not. That, that's the Kiwi. The, uh, that's funny. That beer is still tasting really nice. These are this three really nice beers. This is a great episode. Yeah. I'm excited. Very nice. I'm gonna pour Drink me some all. of this. I'm gonna pour me some more of this green stuff in, in, a, in a couple yeah. minutes. Is that algae? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure someone's brewed with algae somewhere, but seaweed. Get it right. <laughs> yeah. So um, good episode. Awesome. Uh, excited about that. Let's see what we do on the next one. Uh, hopefully, the mystery beers are as good or uh, close. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks, Dan Kim, for being on. We'll see what we talk about next time, and everyone else. 
Keep it brutal. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production. 